Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Happy Palm Sunday again. Happy Palm Sunday again. Yes. Excited uh, to be here. Excited about the day. Uh, let me also say, as Joy did, that next Sunday's Easter. Right? That's how it works every year since I've been alive. Palm Sunday, and then the next Sunday's Easter. And by the way, when, when I was a kid, Palm Sunday used to be packed too. It wasn't just Easter. Palm Sunday was packed too. But now, like, I don't know what it is. I mean, I think, I think Christians are, are, instead of uh, getting more passionate, they're getting less. I think they're kind of, seems, like seems like everything's stirring, that it should be a good time to be, to be more passionate and, and more uh, committed. Uh, uh, but I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are here and faithful. But uh, I don't think, let me just say it though, like, you know, people watching Facebook and it makes me feel better. Uh, and, and I think it's, I think it's in line with, with the Word of God as well. I, I don't think that spring break should trump Palm Sunday. I think, I think that, I think that if, it, if we're spring breaking, we ought to get back to our church on Palm Sunday at least. And, and it certainly shouldn't Easter. Uh, so... So maybe we need to pray. I don't know, man. I mean, there needs to be a revival of just church attendance in the United States of America. We want to see things shift and change, right? And everybody's fussing and complaining on Facebook about gas prices and whatever else. Go to church. I'm speaking to the choir again. You know, go to church. You want to change something? Go to church. Heaven help us. Lord, have mercy. If we, if we as Christians just can't get that one thing right, I mean, there is no clearer an instruction in Scripture when you see the day approaching, when, when things begin to stir. Everybody's saying, man, is Jesus coming soon? But, but nobody's going to church. Right? If you're saying, is Jesus coming soon? Then one of the things you ought to do is you need to get together with the church. You need to not forsake the gathering together of the saints. You know, and, and sometimes God speaks to us, and, 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 it, and it hurts, and it's offensive, but, it, but we should receive it and let it change us. If we want to see a, a shift in America, if all the, the unfaithful Christians who don't ever attend church would start to attend church, we'd, we'd see something begin to change. Especially if they'd bring their kids with them. Anyway, anyway, next Sunday is Easter, and I hope we go to church. Wherever you go, get to church on Easter. And um, man, if I'm not saying this is right, this is not right. But it, but if you could make it to heaven on attendance, and and a lot of you wouldn't get there because all you're doing is Easter. So start on Easter, and then let's. Let's be faithful after that uh, because you've already missed today. But thank you for watching uh, online. Appreciate that. That's a good step. 
in the in the right direction. Next Sunday is Easter, so uh, let's let's be here. Let's be in prayer, and uh, and let's invite, uh, um, and uh, and let's get fired up and stirred up for the glory of God, and uh, and step into the call of God that He has on our lives. Be the people that He's called us to be. Let's let's invite some people to come to church uh, next Easter, which is next week. <laughs> sounded that sounded funny the way. The way that I the way that I said that, um, but but it is Palm Sunday, and uh, this is such an important uh, day. It's such an important event uh, in history uh, that uh, that we need to remember. It's so interesting to me that that not only is this event recorded in all four of the Gospels, but it is also prophesied in the Old Testament, and, and three places that I'll that I'll just remind you of is, is Psalm 118. Uh, Psalm 118, um, David prophesies this a thousand years before it happens. Uh, uh, 25, Psalm 118, 25 through 27, verse 25 through 27. Um, a thousand years before, before it takes place. Uh, and then there's Isaiah 62, 11. Uh, and uh, you know, so, so seven hundred years before it happens, and then there's uh, Zechariah nine, uh, nine, you know, six hundred years uh, before it takes place, uh, and then on Palm Sunday, uh, uh, these things happen and take place, uh, and 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 uh, and it says in Scripture to fulfill these things that were uh, prophesied. And so I'd like to start this morning in Matthew. Uh, Matthew 21, and we'll jump in here to the to this uh, Palm Sunday story into the triumphal entry. As as you remember, uh, Jesus is coming uh, to Jerusalem uh, and uh, and and making his way to Jerusalem, then and then to make his way uh, to the cross. And as he's coming into Jerusalem, there is this incredible uh, worship service, celebration, declaration that takes place. Uh, Matthew. Matthew 21, verse 1. Read through all these again. It's, it just seems like it's, it's good in church to read Scripture. Like it's, it's just good to come to church. And it's also good to read the Bible. And, and it's good to read the Bible in church, but it's also good to read the Bible on your own. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, On the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to a village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Uh, This is Isaiah says this and Zechariah. Uh, says this, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So, so here uh, Zechariah prophesies here uh, in Palm Sunday, on Palm Sunday on the triumphal entry, this, this prophecy is fulfilled, it, it's significant, it's important. Uh, what I really want you to see right here is, 
is the declaration from uh, Zechariah uh, that, that Jesus coming in is, is not just some ordinary somebody uh, that it's not just uh, some ordinary somebody that's coming to you. It says here, see, your king comes to you. Your, your king, King Jesus, uh, comes uh, riding in on a donkey. Uh, so, verse 6, then the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. Uh, and they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks uh, on them for Jesus to sit on it. Uh, so, so they find everything the way Jesus uh, said it would be. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, because he, uh, he is a proven prophet. Jesus prophesies. Jesus says, you're going to go here and you're going to find this. Then you go there and, and you find that. In verse 8, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Now, just let me read that again because I don't want you to miss this, that a very large crowd sp- spread their cloaks on the road. This is, this is not some uh, small uh, gathering. Uh, this is a very large crowd uh, of people uh, that, uh, that gets all caught up in this and gets involved in this event, spreads their cloaks on the road. And while others uh, c- cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted. Let me again see. So we, see we've got, uh, we've got uh, the king, uh, Jesus, coming into Jerusalem, uh, riding on a donkey, uh, coming, uh, coming in gentleness, uh, and a very uh, large crowd begins to throw branches on the ground and their cloaks on the ground and, and, and those that went ahead and those that followed. So there's, this crowd is round, you know, round about uh, Jerusalem and they are not quiet. They, they are shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest, so they're they're shouting this hosanna, which we know which we know means save us, and they're shouting it to the son of David, recognizing you know, Jesus as as again no ordinary somebody, but as something someone unique, someone special, the son of David, and then and then blessing him, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so there is this amazing event that takes place, this, this proclaiming, this calling out uh, Hosanna, uh, this, this proclaiming Jesus, the son of David, blessing, uh, blessed be uh, the, uh, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And then, and then this... this uh, this description that the whole city is, is stirred by this event. And, uh, and, 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 and as Joy prayed this morning that, that the Lord would stir our city, we need, to, we need to pray this, that the Lord would stir our city, that He would stir our state, that He would stir our nation, that He would, that he would stir our own hearts. We, we need a stirring of the Lord within our lives. You know, you know, when, when, when Christians can so, who, who can so easily settle down into a lukewarm place, uh, the only real way to get out of that is because it's such a deceptive place. We don't recognize it. It's such a blind spot. If, if someone were to say to someone who's lukewarm, hey, you're lukewarm, they would be offended by that. 
They would say, no, I'm not. I'm fine. Everything's good. In order to get out of that place, we need the Lord to just, to just stir us up out of it, to shake us up out of it, to push up us, us up out of it, to move us up out of it, to, to open our eyes so the city is stirred. And, and they begin to ask this question, who is this? Who is this Jesus who is this coming in to the city? And, and the crowd answers, but like the crowd does, the crowd gets the answer wrong. It's not like entirely wrong, but it, but it is entirely wrong. If it's not like completely right, then it might as well be entirely wrong. And like if you were to ask this question to the crowds today, if you were to ask the crowds, who is this Jesus? They'd get it wrong. They, they are getting it wrong. You, you can hear them on the news talk about who Jesus is. And when you listen to them talk about who Jesus is, they're missing who He is. They're getting it wrong. They don't know who Jesus is. Certainly, certainly he was, a, he was a prophet. And He was from Nazareth in Galilee. But He was so much more than a prophet. Which, which is actually seen in this event which is actually being declared in this event, right? Because, you know, one of the big parts of this story is, is they're crying out, Hosanna! They're saying, save us! And then they are saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! You know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're, they're crying to Jesus who is coming into the city, Hosanna! And they are blessing Jesus who is coming into the city and, and, and blessing him and declaring uh, that he's the Son of David and crying to him, Hosanna! Many, many people have come into the city on this day and it's only Jesus has, who has gotten this attention. It's only Jesus who has, who has stirred the crowd because, because they recognize something about Jesus that we need to remember, that we need to recognize, but they don't recognize it like it truly needs to be recognized, and that is that He is King. That's what Zechariah says. He says, behold, who comes to you? Behold, your King comes to you. Gentle and riding on a donkey. Here they look and see the, the disciples probably recognized it more than anyone else as they watch Jesus come riding into the city. They recognize that He's King. Otherwise, otherwise why would you call to Him? Hosanna! Why, why would you call to, uh, to, to just some, some fisherman or, or carpenter? Hosanna! You wouldn't cry that to anyone unless they could save. But one of the things that a king can do is a king can step in when no one else can and he can save. He can pardon. He can stop it. He can change it. He can rescue. He can save. If you were sentenced to be killed and put to death, you would, you would need a king to step in and save. You would need to cry out, Hosanna! to a king to save. They recognize Jesus as king, and that's why they're crying, and rightly so, Hosanna, save us. They recognize that he can save. They recognize it because he is powerful. And they recognize also through their time with him that he is good. They recognize, man, this is a king that we want to reign over us because not only is he powerful, but he's good. He's powerful enough to be king and he's good enough that we'd want him to be king. 
Nothing worse, nothing worse than a than a than a powerful evil king. And nothing better than a powerful good king. And here comes Jesus riding in to Jerusalem, and they say, they say, hey, wait a minute. He's looking a little different than he's looked before. Something's not exactly the same. They're seeing him in a new light, and they recognize King. And they say, here, 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 here our King comes to us. Bless him. Blessed be his name. Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Bless him. Bless this, this son of David, King David, the son of David. Hosanna, save us. But they're off a little bit, right? Because they're, they're looking at Jesus as king and looking at him as savior, but, but, it's, but it's with an earthly purpose. They're, they're tired of being ruled and reigned by Rome. They're tired of being enslaved by Rome and under Roman law and, and, and under Roman regulations. You know, they, they don't want to have to carry a Roman guard's armor for a mile anymore or pay Roman taxes. They're looking for a king to save them. And here he is riding in on a donkey, riding in on a colt. In, in, in John's version, I want to read this for you, a few verses of it, because because actually, John actually shows that they actually declared him king. In John chapter 12, chapter 12, yeah. Whoa. Boom. Uh, the next day, the great, cow, the great crowd, see again here, it's a great crowd, that had come from the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. They recognized Jesus as, as not only Savior, but, but as King. And really recognize him as Savior because he is a king, and they recognize as, as not some ordinary king, but a king who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the king of Israel. And, and, and they're seeing Jesus crying Hosanna, seeing that he's king, and, 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 and the crowds are asking, who is this? Who, something, somebody different has come and we don't know exactly who he is, but we want to know who he is. And, and, and that remains, again this morning, one of the most important questions that we can ever ask, one of the, one of the questions that we must ask, and one of the questions that we've got to answer, and that we've got to answer it right. We've got to get this answer right. Right, we've got to know that Jesus is who he says he is. And we've got to see that he is king, and not only of Israel, but so much more than that. They see him as king, and they, and they recognize him as king of Israel. And they are looking to Jesus to establish, to reestablish the kingdom 
of Israel and to throw off you know, Roman rule so that they're no longer under, under uh, these uh, under their law and, and, and under their taxes and, and their regulations. And, and so it's one of the reasons why they were so blown away and confused by what takes place next week as Jesus goes to the cross and, and instead of overthrowing Rome, is crucified by Rome and, and buried in a tomb. And they just, it, it didn't fit into their box of what they thought God would do. It wasn't working out the way that they thought it would work out, even though Jesus had told them how it was going to play out. They, they didn't get it. They didn't see it. And so they were so blown away by this. But then, but then Jesus has, has risen again from the dead, and, and he has appeared to them, and, and, and hope has stirred fresh and new within them. And they're beginning to see him as king for sure he is because they they crucified him and he was buried and now he has he has been risen from the dead and and you know we see that they're that they're seeing him as king and and as king of Israel and 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 starting to connect a little bit with God's plans but they're still so far off and still getting things so far wrong you know as you look at acts chapter 1 where Jesus has appeared to the disciples and and they talk about the kingdom of God and Jesus tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait, and there they'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they ask Jesus in one of those conversations, they say, Jesus, is now the time? Are you now at this time going to throw off Rome and restore the kingdom of Israel and set yourself up as king and rule and reign? And Jesus says to them, that time's not yet. And that time's not for you to know. He doesn't say that time's not coming. You remember that? He doesn't say it's not coming. He says it's not yet. And it's not for you to know. That time is set by God's authority. He's the one who knows, and He'll do it when it's time for it to be done. It's not yet. He says, He's not for you to know. He says, Here's what you're to know that you are going to receive power from on high. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then he ascended into heaven right there before their eyes. And they sat there and watched as Jesus went up, leaving them to do what he had called them to do. And they watched until they couldn't see him anymore. They watched until he was gone. And then, there's a very important thing that took place. As they're standing there looking up into heaven, two angels appear and say, what are you guys doing? I said, we're, we're looking up into heaven. Jesus just went up there. And they said, hey, hey, he's coming back. He's coming back the same way he went. He's coming back. He's going to return how he went. He's going to return. And when he returns, there's going to be the answer to your question. He's going to then set up rule and reign. And forevermore shall he reign. But, but, but there's going to be a time period between that, between his his going and His coming. And in that time period, you, His powerful witnesses, are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name. And they got to work and built the church. And here we are today because of it. 
Hallelujah. But they did recognize and understand something that was very important. That as this King Jesus came riding into Jerusalem, gentle and on a colt, that someday He would come riding back to Jerusalem as King, but not in the way that He came on Palm Sunday. There's some interesting verses in, in Revelation that really connect to our conversation today that I, that I want to remind us of because, they, because not only do they remind us of what's coming, but they remind us of who Jesus is. Not who the crowds say that He is. Not who America says that He is. But who He actually is. One of them is, a, is in Revelation chapter 7. Revelation 6, you, you remember Jesus has, has begun the process of opening the seals and then there's, uh, and, and, and the end of, of Revelation 6, the nations recognize that this is the tribulation that has been prophesied and talked about and they actually ask for mountains to fall on them and hide them from the Lord and from Jesus. And then in, in Revelation 6, Seven, there is the, the calling of the 144,000 witnesses. And then there's a, a little bit of a shift here in verse 9 as John uh, sees uh, something else. It says, After this I looked, John seeing this, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So here is this. Here, here is a, another great crowd. Uh, I have a feeling that this one's a little bigger than the Palm Sunday one, though, right? That was a great multitude. But this is a great multitude. I think you could have counted that one. If you'd have taken your time, you could have counted it. You could have numbered it. But here is a great multitude that no one could count. And, and, they're, and they're, they're not just from Israel. And they're not just from America. And they're not just from Africa. And they're not just from China. And they're not just from Asia. And they're not just from Australia. And they're not just from Europe. And they're not just from Antarctica. Is anybody on Antarctica? Is anybody there? They're, they're not just from there. Seemed like we needed a, a little laugh. I don't know. You guys are looking at me so serious. This is serious though. They're not, they're not just from there. They're from, they're from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? Who is this Jesus? Well, well here, he's, here He's recognized as the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Isn't that cool? Here they've got on the robes that have been given them by the King of Kings and they're holding palm branches in their hands. It's very much like our Palm Sunday story. And in verse 10, and they cried out in a loud voice. We're, we're shouting again. We've got a large crowd. We've got palm branches. They're shouting in a loud voice, salvation, Hosanna, Salvation belongs 
to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And here Jesus is identified again as the Lamb. And we need to remember that because in Revelation chapter 5, remember in chapter 4, John sees heaven and he sees this incredible celebration that is taking place and, and, and the declaring, the declarations to God. And then in chapter 5, there is a scroll and no one can open it in heaven or in earth. No one is found who can open the scroll. And John begins to weep because no one's found to open the scroll. But then the, and the angels say to him, Don't weep, John. Don't weep. There is one. There is the only holy, worthy Lamb of God. And and Jesus, the Lamb of God, it says says the root of of David right there. He he comes and John sees him as, as a lamb looking. You guys need to read your Bible looking as though he had been slain. John sees the Lamb of God and he is reminded in that that moment as he stands there and watches the Lamb that Jesus is the sacrificial Lamb who was slain for the sins of the world. Who is the all-sufficient sacrifice his blood shed, his own blood shed as an all-sufficient f- sufficient sacrifice for every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, everywhere for all time, including me and certainly you and all of you. His sacrifice is sufficient. His blood is enough so that we can find salvation in God and in the Lamb. Praise the Lord. Let me take a coffee break. Praise Jesus. Did I give you verse? Did I go further, Scott? I can't remember. Yes. Mm. All the angels were standing around the throne and around around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Amen. Salvation belongs to God and to the Lamb. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. There's this worship and this praise that is being lifted up to the throne and to the Lamb, to the Lamb who was slain for my sins. This is, this is why there is, this is why Hebrews says there's, there is no longer need for the, for the shedding of the blood of bulls and goats because the, the only worthy Lamb of God has been slain. And His blood shed that our, that, that our sins would be washed away, forever gone, so that we can be clothed in white robes and holding palm branches and crying, Hosanna, salvation belongs to God. Now, we see the Lamb show up again in, in Revelation 
um, several times, but I want to I move to Revelation uh, chapter 19 where he's seen and not exactly seen as this uh, sacrificial lamb at this point in time. If you want to know who Jesus is, here comes, you know, read the book of Revelation, and here comes one of the, one of the clearest pictures of, of who he is. And here in Revelation chapter 19, uh, well, let me just start reading. I saw heaven standing open. So again, John is seeing these things. He says, I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. So here again, we see Jesus. And, and he is riding on a white horse. And, and a white horse represents conquest and, and conqueror. So, so here he comes, uh, riding on a white horse, and he is called faithful and true, and he comes with justice, he judges and wages war. This is a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture, right? right? You remember the angel said, uh, as, as the disciples are looking up into heaven, they said, he's coming back. He, he left, he's coming back. Here, here he comes back. Very much like the Palm Sunday story, he comes riding, but not a donkey. He, he comes riding in, this time on a white horse, a, a donkey, you know, you know, representing his humble and, and gentle uh, coming in to save this white horse representing this time that, that he's riding in as, as warrior and king and conqueror. And he comes in as judge, as just judge, which a king has to be, right? I mean, one of the qualifications for a king is he's got to be judge. And you want a king who is a just judge. So here comes, here comes Jesus and in in, in the Paul story story, he's, he's coming in gentle. He's not returning gentle. I, I know nobody likes to hear that. I, I know nobody wants to look at Jesus this way. But he's coming again and, and not, not full of grace and mercy, but full of justice to judge. And he's coming again, not gentle, but as a warrior to wage war. So, so here you have the, the king riding on a white horse coming again, and, and he is also the just judge, and I want you to know that, that he is the mighty warrior. You, you do not want to draw your sword and wage war against this king. I'm telling you, you don't. He is not someone to be trifled with. He's not someone to be messed with. They, they may have... They may have uh, beat him and ripped out his beard and nailed him to a Roman cross the first time he came, but that will not be happening again. He is coming as judge and he is coming as a warrior. You know, Proverbs says that there are those who are bent on rebellion. They, they are just 
They are just bent on it, and they will not be stopped. They will not be opposed. They will not be talked to. You cannot reason with them. They are bent on rebellion. And Proverbs says that the only thing you can do is a merciless judge has to come against them. You see, here we find a world that is bent on rebellion. They have been given every chance to repent. They have been given every chance for mercy. They have been given every chance to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. They will not be reasoned with. So here he comes as merciless warrior. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. The the mystery of Jesus never stops. It seems to me like we will come to a time of knowing, but there are still things about him that we will not know. Like the conversation will continue. What is his name? What is that name? What is that name written on him? You know, you know, like when we'll talk around the family about things in Scripture and, and, and wonder about things we don't know, Jude often will say, you know what I want to know? I want to know in Revelation 10, what in the world do the seven thunders say? I want to know that. I think maybe we'll know that. But do we know this? He's got a name written on him that, that is so awesome and so glorious that no one knows it, but he himself Verse 13, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. He's dressed also in a robe. This robe is dipped in blood that we not forget that he is the lamb who was slain and that his blood is sufficient and that his blood is enough. And that we also remember as he comes as just judge and mighty warrior, the the sign of his blood on his garment, that everyone's had the chance. That his blood was shed for all if they would only take the sacrifice, that he is just in what he is doing. Verse 14, the armies of heaven were following him, riding on a white horse, and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Here he comes, and he he comes not alone. Here he comes as judge and warrior, riding on a white horse, and the armies of heaven are following him. And we're not infantry. We're riding on white horses ourselves, coming in, representing, representing conquest, representing conqueror, that that we have become ourselves mighty warriors. Not not the mighty warrior, but mighty warriors. We, We come riding in with Jesus. Oh Lord, have mercy. I want to be in that number. I want to be in that crowd. I want to ride on a white steed clothed in fine linen riding behind my king. I want to be with him, not against him. I want to be on his side, not apart from him. 
I want to be riding in the army. I don't want to be an enemy standing against the army. You, you may say, why is he riding out? The reason that he's riding out with his armies with him is because the armies of the world have gathered together to make war against the Lamb of God, to make war against the just judge and mighty warrior, to make war against him and his armies. You remember how the story goes? As John looks and sees uh, frogs come out, a, a, a frog-looking like creature come out of the dragon's mouth, and a frog-looking like creature come out of the beast's mouth, and a frog-looking like creature come out of the false prophet's mouth, and they go out to deceive the nations to gather them for war against our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we find the beast and the false prophet and the nations of the world gathered together to make war against Jesus. So here we have Jesus riding on a white horse. Here we have his army following him dressed in white. And here we have not only those who are with him, who are part of his army, but those who are against him, the enemies of God, the enemies of Christ, the enemies of the armies of heaven. You know, if you don't like that word enemies, Philippians 3, 18 and 19, you know, it says, it says Paul, Paul cries out to people and he says, he says, for as I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Isn't that a, isn't that a discouraging verse? That there are many, that there are multitudes that live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He says their, their God is their stomach. Their destiny is destruction. Their glory is in their shame. There are many who are enemies of Christ. And I say to you today that you don't want to stand in that crowd. I don't know how it's all going to play out. The beast come riding out on his, on his own white horse. You know, I think, I think the first seal broken in Revelation chapter 6, where the seal is broken and, and, and the first of the four horses is a white horse that emerges. And there's a rider on that white horse and he's given a bow and he is given the power to conquer and conquest. I think that's the beast. And he has conquered and deceived to where the nations of the world looked at him and said, who is like the beast and who can stand against him? And now they believe that so strongly that they are riding out with the beast against, against Jesus. I, I want to be in this number with him, not his enemy. I want to be his warrior not his enemy. And the story goes on. <clears throat> Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of, of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And I know, I know, 
I want to talk about the mercy and grace of God as well, and, and we're about to. It's good news. It's good news, but, but there will come a time when Jesus comes with a sword in his mouth to strike down the nations, to, to, to tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe, don't you love this? This is like one of my favorite verses. He you want to know who Jesus is? You want to know the answer to that question? On, on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. I, I don't know why. Back up there a second. I, I don't know why. Um... why we don't always see Jesus as this, but, but if you see Jesus in any way, if you see him in the right, true way, if you answer the question, who is he? He is, he is king of kings, and he is lord of lords. And, and, it, and it is this reason why we say, Hosanna! Because he is king of kings and lord of lords. You understand, right, that he's, that, he's not, that he's not one of the many great kings of the earth. And that he's not one of the many great lords that have walked the earth from the beginning of time. That he is, do you understand that? That he is king of them. That the greatest of the kings, here stands one greater. That the one who commands those who command is Jesus, that he is king of kings and lord of lords. That, that, that as great as the beast may seem, he, this great and mighty king, is nothing compared to the king of kings and the lord of lords. Now, let me, let me read how this, the rest of this plays out for you because I don't know if you know it or not, I want you to know it. There comes a battle, and Jesus does not lose. He, he, he's not defeated by the beast, by the king of the earth, because he is the king of kings. And he's not, even the beast is the slave to the dragon, and Jesus is not defeated by the dragon either, because he is king of kings and lord of lords. There, there is none greater there never has been anyone greater. There never will be anyone greater. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now I'm running out of time, so let me read fast as, as I can. Not that, not that I'm fast. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. <laughs> let me take a coffee break. who cried in a loud voice to, to all the birds flying in midair. Y'all okay with this? It's going to get rough. This is like, like the rated R, some of the rated R sections of Scripture. <clears throat> birds flying in midair, come gather together for the great supper of God. <laughs> so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty 
See, here the kings and generals and the mighty have gathered, but they have gathered against the mighty warrior, the king of kings. Of horses and their riders and the flesh of people, free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. Right? I just like always like to point this out. In case the rapture happens and you don't go, which hopefully won't happen, in case the rapture happens and you don't go and there is a mark given, the mark of the beast, don't take it. Don't take it. They had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image the two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. You say, I didn't, well, I didn't believe that that existed. Well, it does. It does exist. And, and it's, it's, it's going to be the eternal home for many. But it doesn't have to be us. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse And all the birds that had been called in gorged themselves on their flesh. And so ends Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 20. An angel is sent to come after the dragon. The dragon is captured and bound and, and thrown into the abyss and it is sealed and locked where he must remain for a thousand years. And Jesus sets up rule and reign on the earth and reigns on the earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. And he will reign forever and ever and ever. Amen. I want you to know this morning, the reason we cry out to him, Hosanna, is because he is king. And he is not just king of Israel. He is king of the nations. He is king of everything, everywhere. And he is not just a king. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And I hope today that he'll not be your enemy and your adversary, but he will be your king. He is the greatest king, greater by far than any other. It is Jesus who said in, in Matthew 12, he spoke, of, he spoke of Solomon and he said of the wisdom of Solomon that there was no one greater, he said, but now one greater than Solomon is here. He said, he said I am a greater king and have greater wisdom than even Solomon. Of all the kings of the earth, there has never been one greater. He was, he was greater in power than Nebuchadnezzar. He was greater in goodness than good King Hezekiah. 
He was greater in wisdom than Solomon. He is the greatest king. Maybe, maybe, maybe second in greatness is King David. Maybe King David was the greatest king, and I want you to know that Jesus is greater than great King David. And in King David's life and the great things that he did, there, there is not a more beautiful act and a more beautiful moment than in, first, than in 2 Samuel 9 where, where King David shows kindness to Mephibosheth. I don't know if you're familiar with the story or not. We don't have time to, to break it down in detail this morning. But, but, it, but it is a fitting way to end our message. There was, there was, a, there was a, a man alive, one man alive of the, of the line of King Saul. You remember King Saul? And his name was Mephibosheth. And he was crippled, having been crippled in an accident. And in 2 Samuel 9, David, David had this desire arise within him. And he said, he said, he said I want to show kindness to the house of Saul, to the house of Jonathan. Is there anyone still alive that I can be kind to? Because one of the things that makes great kings great is their kind. And David was a kind king. And he wanted to show kindness to someone. And so they, they found that there was still someone alive. And his name was Mephibosheth. And he was a son of Jonathan. And David said, I want to show kindness to Mephibosheth because of Jonathan on Jonathan's behalf. Because years ago, David had entered into covenant with Jonathan. And so he wanted to show kindness to Jonathan's household because of that covenant, because of that relationship. This was, this was a crazy thing to do. This was a, a, an unusual thing to do because you remember Saul was king and his household were the rightful heirs to the throne. And Saul had hated David and spent his life trying to, to kill David. And now that David has become king, what kings would normally do would be to hunt down their enemies, which would be the household of Saul would be his enemies. They would hunt them down and take them out and kill them would run down the enemy and kill him. But David, in this beautiful moment in his reign, does something else. He runs Mephibosheth down not to kill him, but to have mercy on him. He runs him down to show him his kindness. And he calls to Mephibosheth, and, and he, says, he says to Mephibosheth, he says, Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth says this. It's hard to say, isn't it? He says, he says, your servant. He says, here I am. I'm, I, 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 King David, am not your enemy. I, King David, am your servant. And he says, I want to show you kindness. He says, I want you to come in to my house and eat at my table. And he calls some men to, to be his ser Mephibosheth's servants. And, to, and he gives Mephibosheth all the lands of King Saul. And they are to farm them and, and take care of them for, for Mephibosheth. 
And, and, and the story ends in a 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse, verse 11, 12, and, and 13. I want to read those to you. Then Ziba, who, who, was, who, was, uh, who King David said, you're going to be Mephibosheth's servant and, and your household's going to farm his lands. This was King David's command to him. He said, it's a good thing to do. He said, your servant will do whatever my Lord the King commands his servant to do. Look at this. So, so Mephibosheth should be David's enemy. Should have been run down and killed. So, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Instead of being his enemy and, and run down and killed, great King David invites his should-be enemy, Mephibosheth, to come into his house, eat at his table like one of his sons. Like, like all of David's family members are the ones gathered around this table. Nobody else gets to come. Nobody else gets to eat at this great king's table. But Mephibosheth is invited to come. And he comes and eats at David's table. Do you understand that? At King David's table. Like one of his sons sitting right there with everyone else. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. What a great king. What a great act that great King David does for this one man who was his enemy. And here we celebrate one today who is King of kings and Lord of lords and he is greater than David. And he has a kindness that trumps even King David's tr kindness. And he has an invitation that is greater than King David's invitation. He has an invitation to all of those who stand as enemies of the cross of Christ to come and eat at His table. It is an invitation not to one. It is an invitation to all who will because He's King of kings and Lord of lords. Because He's greater than David, His invitation trumps King David's, it's not for one, it's for all. All who will come and sit at my table. And, and it's, not, it's not come and eat at my table like one of my sons. It's come and eat at my table as one of my sons. 
And it's not come and live in Jerusalem because you eat at my table like one of my sons. It's come and live in my house because you are one of my children and eat at my table because you are one of my sons. You see, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is coming again. And he will come riding on a white horse as judge and conqueror, a sword out of his mouth to bring justice and to wipe out his enemies. But until that day comes, until that day of judgment comes, we live in the day of mercy where there is an invitation from the king to not be his enemy, but to be his son And to not be his adversary, but to sit at his table and fellowship and eat with him and live in his household. We do not have to align ourselves as enemies of the cross of Christ. There is the great invitation from the great King of Kings to come and eat at his table, to be his child, to live in his household, and someday to ride with him and not ride against him. You don't want to be his enemy. Accept the invitation to not only be his friend, but to be his son and make him Lord in your life, King of all that you are. Cry out to him today, Hosanna, because today is not the day of judgment. Today is the day of salvation. Receive him, his mercy, his grace. Say yes, like Mephibosheth did, to his invitation and come to his table and be his son, be his child, be his daughter. Let him be your king. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe we should just pray together right now. Everyone just pray with me, just repeating after me. Everyone online, just pray with me. If you're listening on podcasts, just take a moment and just pray with me. Just just repeat after me. Let's cry out to Jesus as Savior and set him as king in our hearts. Pray with me. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I see you for who you are. And I see that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And I say, Hosanna, save me. Wash me in your blood. I say yes to your invitation, to your kindness, to your mercy, to your grace. I want to sit at your table, live in your house, be your child, your son, your daughter. And you, I declare, forever will be my king. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to be his enemy. Be his friend. Be his son. Don't ride against him. Ride with him. He's king of kings.
and Lord of Lords, and He is good and kind and gracious and compassionate. And we live in the day of His mercy. But the day of His judgment is coming. So make today your day of salvation. And make Jesus your King. I hope that you'll do it. I pray that you will. You'll never regret it. God bless you. God bless you. Have a wonderful Palm Sunday. I'll see you back here Easter. And we'll celebrate again the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God bless.